Good morning, New Hope. Oh, there we go. Why don't you take a moment to say hello to somebody and say, I'm glad you came today. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them up to Exodus. Exodus chapter, let's go for 20. That's a good place to start. And if you haven't, if you're new to New Hope, the verses will all be on your outline and on the screen behind you. As Martin has just mentioned, we're in a series going through the 10 commandments. These are not the 10 suggestions. These are 10 commandments. Now, that's where they are then, what God gave to um, Moses in Exodus. But I noticed when Jesus referred back to them, he said they were the minimum. We read a few weeks ago, thou shalt not commit adultery, the Bible. But Jesus said, okay, that's true. But here's the deal. If you even look on a woman, it lifted the standard. So what we're talking about today is the absolute basics, a code of conduct, which also has direct implication for your family. Because we are interested in families, God is interested in families, we're going to look at the eighth commandment today. Now normally, I've actually entitled the message, How to Prosper with Integrity. So if you're on a positive subject, that's it. Because when, you, when people steal... What they're trying to do is they're trying to prosper all right, but sans or minus the integrity. They're trying to get ahead with no integrity. So today we're going to look at how do we today steal? Well, I looked up in the dictionary and there are dozens and dozens of ways. And I've just chosen six. Some of these relate to business and families. Here they are. The first one, how do we steal? And by the way, you may want to take these as I'd encourage you to take some notes. The first one is by deceiving customers. Deceiving customers. You see, even 3,000 years ago when this was written, this was a problem. The Bible says here, in Amos 8.5, they overcharge and they use false measures. And they fix the scales to cheat customers. That was going on back then. So, you know, they're clipping the ticket along the way. The Bible is so relevant to our lives. The principles apply today. Sounds very current to me when I'm reading that. It's when the repairman makes unnecessary repairs. huh? Or he tries to charge some solo mum extra on the engine repairs because she's a woman and doesn't understand. That makes my blood boil because solo mums are my heroes. I know what it takes. I watched that for years on my, in my own family. When the salesman skips over the fine print just to make sure he makes a deal. That's what we're talking about here. Actually, it made me laugh. I was looking at the newspaper this week, which is a very unusual thing for me to do. I was looking at some of these real estate brochures. And it made me kind of laugh. When they described it as cozy, that means it's so small you can't swing a cat. Actually, that's probably not very politically correct, is it? <laughs> um, original seemed to me, you know, original means no one's bothered to update it. The wallpaper's fallen off the wall. An open concept made me laugh. A studio where your bed is in the middle of the living room. <laughs> that's real open concept, not my type of deal. A fixer-upper was a heap of junk, which is absolutely what it is. One of a kind. I thought, what are they saying here? Well, maybe there's a reason why there's only one of a kind. I've never seen anything like this. (laughs) And then, great location, close to nightlife. 
In other words, you live over a bar. <laughs> so that's one way, by deceiving customers. Another way of stealing, and this happens a lot, is by defrauding employers. Defrauding. This is what it practically means to apply this commandment. This means padding your expense account. Padding your expense claim. Claiming things on your credit card, claiming it back off the company, then taking it back and getting a refund, effectively pocketing the cash. Here's another one. Taking supplies home. Could be stationery, could be overalls, could be you name it, whatever it may be. Here's a big one. But it also means, when we're talking about defrauding employers, it means wasting time on the job. Friends, somebody is paying for that time. And I have seen some people come in late, leave early, take three coffee breaks, and a long lunch, and if you add all that up, there isn't much time left to work. <laughs> that's what this is talking about. And God says that's stealing. He says, don't do that. He says, well, how am I supposed to work when I'm at work? Well, the Bible, again, helps us apply this. He says, whatever you do, whether you be a teacher or a sales guy or a doctor or a nurse or a, a politician or whether you're an accountant, doesn't matter, or an IT, whatever you do, putting networks together, do it with all of your heart. In other words, be, my, be present on the job and give it as working for the Lord, as if the Lord is your boss. So no slipshod stuff. No, oh, she'll be right. No skating with the bare minimum. Do a good job. Would you do that if Jesus was standing right there by you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going to tidy up, would you tidy up properly? Or just stuff all the stuff under the bed? No, you wouldn't do that. You'd do it properly. Number three. Here's another way we steal. By delaying payment. By delaying payments. That means, here's a verse that says, don't take advantage of anyone. Don't hold back the wages of somebody that you've hired, not even for one night. Not even for one night. This is what it means to apply this command. If you owe someone money, the old, the old cliche was, well, the check's in the mail. Now, I know it is a very common strategy to send your accounts out for payment on the day, immediately, and then at the same time not pay your bills for 90 or 120 days after that. Friends, that is using other people's money without their permission. It's their money, and they actually have a right to make a profit out of that. You are leaning on them. If you've agreed that, that's a different deal. But what I'm talking about, and what God's talking about here, is doing that when it's not agreed. Number four, next one. How else can I steal? And unfortunately, I see this a lot by defaulting on loans. By defaulting on loans. This is a, a pandemic in America. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common here in New Zealand. The Bible says this, Psalm 37 verse 21. The wicked man, the wicked woman, the wicked person borrows and never pays back. Now some people borrow with no intention of paying those loans back. And let me be real clear, friends. Some of the worst things, transactions I've ever seen in my life are loans to friends and relatives. Sidebar. 
sidebar. If you are ever in a position where a relative or daughter or son or anybody comes to you outside of your marriage, obviously, you know, can buy them once, you get a document. You formalize it. You say the exact amount, the exact terms, and the exact repayment schedule. If you you do not pay, we're going to recall that loan immediately. I want you to know. Be careful because it will will torture and destroy your family. I've seen families destroyed over stuff like that. So the easy way to fix it, have an agreement up front. And have somebody witness it. So it's real clear, proper commercial terms. No nonsense. It's the ambiguity. Oh, I thought you meant this. No, it meant this. So be clear about that. And often what happens is the kids think, oh, well, it's no big deal. I just won't stick to the agreement. And, you know, uh, mum and dad can just, they've got stacks of cash. That's a really bad example to set your kids. I've lent my kids. I'm telling you, I've lent my kids money. But only, number one, if I think it's a worthwhile investment and I've got lean over that property. I haven't lent anything for property, I've lent things for business, but I won't lend anything just on the, well, this is a great idea, Dad, can I please have some money? No. I think about it for the rest of the family, I think, is this a good investment? Does this make sense? Have I got security over that? So be careful of that. So this applies to anything. So you go, well, that's not me. How about this? Have you ever borrowed tools and not returned them? That's stealing. How about books? DVDs? Clothes, whatever it is, and not return them. I mean, if you borrow and you don't return it, that's stealing. Now, here's a really tough question. <laughs> Anybody want to look in your garage right now? Is there something there that doesn't belong to you? <laughs> in fact, it's been so long ago since you bought it, you can't remember who you bought it off, right? So, like me, somebody come to borrow a book off me, and they go, Man, I lent that to somebody. I couldn't remember who I lent it to. You've probably been there too, but the reverse can happen is when we borrow and we don't return. It just gets, oh, well, I'll get there, and then you forget, and the person moves away, whatever. Number four, five, excuse me, next one. This is one I, all of us are challenged on, and that's by deceiving the government. By deceiving the government. The Bible says this, the authorities are working for God. Pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property taxes. Is it getting hot in here? (laughs) Guys, first rule, know the rules. You need to know the rules. Ignorance is not bliss, it's expensive. Knowing the rules is very good stewardship, and you should know the rules. The Bible says get good advice and you'll succeed. The abundance of counselors is wisdom. Nothing wrong with using good quality accountants as long as they stay within the law. Tax evasion is illegal. God says it's stealing. Tax minimization is smart. Big difference. Number the next one. By defrauding the Lord. That's how you can steal too. By defrauding the Lord. How can I do that? The Bible says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. What? But you ask, how do we rob you, God? By withholding your tithes and offerings. 
Now, the Bible teaches the principle of the tithe, primarily in the Old Testament. However, what did I just say at the beginning? Whatever the Old Testament standard was, Jesus has a higher standard from that. So the minimum is a tithe and offering. Notice it's an and, both to be true. Under the Old Covenant, the first 10% of all that I make goes back to God. Why? Because it's his anyway. And that was known as the first fruits. When, when a crop of grapes had come along, the first part would go as an offering. Saying, God, thank you. You're the one that makes this thing grow and all that sort of stuff. And everything I have, it was the first fruits, not the dregs, the scrawny bunch that was left up at the end. Even the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 9, from the New Testament. By the way, if you want to see a, a, a reference for tithing in the New Testament, Matthew 28, 8. That's the only thing in the entire Bible that Jesus commended the Pharisees for. The only thing. This one, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I like to think of it like my own children. When my children give me something, most of the time, especially when they were younger, what they're giving me is what I give them back anyway. <laughs> and it wasn't the size of it. What mattered was the attitude. It wasn't, you know, well, here, Dad. It was never that. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the new covenant is greater and encourages us to outgive those who lived under the law because we have a better covenant in Christ. So what I'm trying to say here is that the New Testament standard is to give joyously of what we have. Joyously of what we have. I've found some people get liberated on their deathbed if they get that chance because they realize what they've got is going to go nowhere. And they want to do something for God. Sometimes it's often too late. So why would I give joyously? Because I owe him everything I've got. Second part of this is, we've talked about how to prosper with integrity. Why should I be honest? So here's the first reason why we should be honest. Number one is being because I'm being watched by God. I've noticed that people steal because they think they can get away with it without being caught. You know, I know you'll notice if I take a few of these beautiful, lush, plush towels in the motels. Nobody will ever notice that. Now, if you knew that everyone was going to see in black and white one day, what you had stolen, would you steal? Uh -uh. Now Satan comes along and whispers in your ear that no one will know. And besides that, your employer is ripping you off. So it's okay you rationalize to take supplies and equipment home to make up, to balance the scales. Friends, the most important person in the universe, your creator, knows. Notice this verse. God carefully watches the goings-on of all mankind. And he sees them all. No darkness is thick enough to hide evil men from his eyes. Friends, I may well fool the insurance company with a claim that I made. I may well fool the government. But one day, I will stand before God and I'll be laid bare. 
And I will have to give an explanation of why I stole when he said, do not steal. Mum and Dad, Nana and Papa, kids are watching you. And values are caught. They're not taught. You can't sit your kid down around the table and say, this is what we value. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There we are. Done. Repeat them after me. The values have to be caught. And kids will observe what you do in all of these areas. What lifestyle am I teaching my kids? That work is paramount. That getting back and evening the scales in any way is okay. Is there anything in my life that I would be ashamed of if my kids knew? Notice this verse. It's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. And mother, obviously. So one of the greatest gifts that you can possibly give to your children is integrity. Because I'm being watched by God. I'm being watched by my kids. I'm also being watched by non-Christians. Now, those non-Christians may not like your personality. They may not like your beliefs. But they had better like your integrity. So every time you live with integrity, you are being a witness to the world. So, number one. I should be honest because I'm being watched. Number two, I will reap what I sow. God is not mocked. You and I will reap what I sow. The Bible says here, Galatians 6, 7, don't be misled. That means don't be deceived. Don't be a fool. Remember, a man will always reap the kind of crop he sows. This is an inviolable law. If I go out and I plant tomato seeds all of today, in a few months' time, I will not get potatoes. I will get tomatoes because I have sown tomato seeds, or however it may be. If I cheat others, I will be a victim of cheating. On the other hand, this law works positively. The other way around. If I'm honest and I maintain integrity in my decisions, God says, I will bless you for that. I will bless you for that. So whatever you sow, you reap. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 27, look at this verse. It says, try to make a profit dishonestly and you will get your family in big trouble. Excuse me, I inserted the word big. That's not in the original. <laughs> you will get your family in trouble. But emphasis, underscore, you understand what I'm saying there. Classic case of that this week was what? Mr. VW, newspapers are full of robbery and embezzlement. Volkswagen diesel emission scandal. The guy will die in jail. The CEO. It's about time. People were held accountable for grand theft. The Bible says here, Proverbs 21.6, dishonest gain will never last. 
So why take the risk? By the way, note to self, this is a mark in the change that we deal with corrupt leadership in commerce. They're now going to jail, as they should. Two things that motivate dishonesty. Think about this. Number one is greed. Greed. You may want to write that word down somewhere. Greed. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. The question isn't whether you have money. The question is whose money has you. I have the odd friend who's got hundreds and hundreds of millions of US dollars. But let me tell you, the money doesn't have him. He has the money. And he gives it. In fact, just even last week, he dropped a drop in the bucket, $100,000 to the tier fund refugee crisis in Rohingya. And it came to our church and out to them. The money doesn't have him. He has the money and uses it for God's glory. Greed, the love of money. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith. What does that look like? It means that materialism, more and more stuff, paying for stuff, which takes every hour that God sends, takes you away from your faith. Friend, if that's you, you are living beyond your means. And you'll end up, look at the next part of the verse, and will pierce themselves with many a pang. One thing I've been incredibly blessed with, with a wife who has never driven me, she said, honey, I want you home rather than being gone. We have four kids. That's what's important to us. So we chose to moderate our desires in that world and make sure that we can always afford it, what we had, so, so that we could live reasonably. Now, there's an attitude that's out there that says you can get something for nothing. That, by the way, is why people gamble. They want to get something for nothing. And that's why God doesn't want you to gamble. Let me be real clear about that one, too. Don't look to chance or luck to provide for you. God says, look to me. Hard work and diligence. The second thing that motivates dishonesty uh, and, and yeah is laziness that's trying to break or circumvent the law of sowing and reaping people want what somebody else has got but they can't be blowed working for it they're impatient they want it now if I can steal something or I can get it dishonestly I don't have to work for it I can take a shortcut and we're always looking for shortcuts. Now, shortcuts are good in mathematics, but they're not good in a lot of life. Con men look for people who are gullible, looking for shortcuts. One of my best friends, I wanted to slap him. We might have to take that out of the internet tape. I wanted to slap him because he lost 300,000 US dollars. The really reputable sources. I said, buddy, if it smells too good to be true, it is too good to be true. I'm not touching it. Boom. That nearly caused a divorce. As you can imagine, you lose 300 grand or more. And it's very easy. And that guy is super smart. But be careful about that stuff. Con men look for people looking for a shortcut. The easy picking. 
and they're often blinded. The third thing is dishonesty damages my character. That's the one thing you'll take to heaven. And Jesus said it like this. Watch carefully. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? There are many ways to make money quickly. But many of those are very questionable. And the Bible is very clear and warns every person about get-rich-quick schemes. I was going to say that again. The Bible warns about get-rich-quick schemes. So let's look at this verse. Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty can save your life. Friends, Satan is like a thief. And every time I make a choice to steal, as defined by at least those six things we covered at the beginning, I am aligning myself with Satan's ways. Because he is the father of thieves. He comes to lie, kill, destroy. He's a thief. But God, on the other hand, is always honest. And you may be thinking to yourself, a little thought that nobody else has ever heard, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe you're thinking, I just can't make it in the business world if I don't cheat. That is flat wrong. If you know anything about business, you know that customers, long-term customers value integrity. Successful companies have enforceable codes of moral ethics and customer satisfaction guarantees. So for your own sake, maintain integrity. And don't let anybody buy your soul for a few miserable bucks. No deal is worth selling your soul over or busting your marriage up for. Mark 8, 37. From what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I tell you, it's a very good question. God will reward my honesty. And again, the Bible has said this. It's better to be poor but honest than to be a lying fool. Your integrity is what you're going to take with you. Now, number four. God will reward my honesty. Honest people will lead a full happy life, but are you in a hurry to get rich? You're going to be punished. Honesty leads to a full and happy life. Why? Because there are no skeletons in the closet that are going to come out and bite you in the blessed assurance. I bet there's a whole bunch of people right now worried to death about that Me Too movement. That's a whole other subject because of things that have gone on in the past. But honesty, doing the right thing, having integrity, will lead to no skeletons in the closet. Now, many people have lost their shirts in get-rich-quick schemes. And God has one word to say about get-rich-quick schemes. Don't. Don't be stupid. Avoid them like the plague. For some of you wondering, well, how do I get wealthy? The Bible's got a lot of, and I've done a bunch of series on this over the years. I'll give you a couple of things there. Number one is adding little by little to proper investments. Wise savings. Honest work. Good stewardship. Investing in things that count and in people. Getting sound advice. But your greatest reward, friends, forget all that. Just put all that to the side. Let me say this one more time. But your greatest rewards are not going to be here. 
Doesn't matter what house you build. Doesn't matter what investments you have. Your greatest rewards are not here, but in eternity. Because life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. You're being tested right now for 60, 70, 80 years. Check out all of the great heroes of faith. Not one of them got through scot-free. Look at Mr. Joseph. Sold out by his family down there. You remember the whole deal. Life is a test. Life is a trust. Life is a temporary assignment. So you're being tested now 60, 70, 80 years by God. God never tempts, but he does test. There's a big differential there. And how you perform in this test will determine something. It'll determine your rewards and your responsibilities in heaven. Now, you may spend 70, 89 years down here on earth, but you will spend millions and billions and trillions of years in eternity in one of two places. If you've received Christ as your Savior and you've put your trust in him, to forgive you for your sins, you'll spend eternity in heaven. And you'll be tested in three ways to see what is important to you. You'll be tested through trials and problems. And boy, when you go through trials and problems, and especially long-term ones, not just short little blips on the radar. I know people right now that are going to go through trials for the rest of their serious life. All of us will, but some have very intense ones. Trials and problems. Another one, you'll be tested in temptation. Jesus was tested. Matthew 4, 4, remember? Jesus was tested. And the third area, so we've got trials and problems, you've got temptations, and the other thing you've got is money. Now, if you respond well to these three tests, then in eternity I will get greater rewards and I'll have greater responsibilities. But if I bomb these tests here on earth, and I respond poorly to trials, that's what the Bible says, stand firm. Stand firm. Be ready. Stand firm when trials, temptations, and money, when these tests come, then I'll have rewards. Jesus said this, one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. That's why I said to you, like you've done too with your children, do the small things well. When you're doing it, let's dry dishes, putting them away, being on time, delivering out, whatever it may be. And then when it comes to your resources, I try to teach my kids. I think I'll show you this one day. One of the things I did to try and get this across to my kids is one day I'd arrange for my, my pay clerk at the large church I used to be in in California to pay all my money in $1 bills. So one day I came home with this huge sack of things. That was about a month's worth. And I came and I said, guys, there's been a terrible mistake at work. There's no automatic payment anymore. And I need you to help me. So I got all my kids around the table, one, two, three, four of them. And I said, and I said can you help me? I need to make sure all this money's here. So I opened this duffel bag and out came this absolutely mountain of $1 bills. <laughs> the poor bank teller had a heart attack when I went to ask for them. She said, what are you going to do with this after this? I'm bringing them back. She had even more of a heart attack. <laughs> So he goes, okay, so Helen, you take some, you take some Steve, Josh. No, it was too little. He was sitting in his high chair eating his banana. So I said, you guys eat all, uh, eat all this up. You guys uh, count all this up into, into $100 piles. So they did all that. And then when they got it all done, 
I wanted to show him something. He said, okay, so the first, how much is here? And they said, however much it was. I said, I want the first 10% of that to go over there. And can you please, Helen, would you please put that in a little envelope, or in this case, a reasonable one, and um, could you please write our name and the offering number on that, Captain. Now, now the next thing, what's next, kids? And said, what else do we need to live on? Well, we need to pay the rent. Well, it was X amount, so that was $700, whatever it was, blah, blah, blah. So that, Stevie's there, and Joshua this and that. And by the time we got round, oh, how much do you need for groceries, Kimberly? X amount, so that was good. And then it came down to, and then Dad can have $20, and Mum can have $20, and oh, that's right, there's a little bit. And it, oh, oh, we had saving in there too. How much we're putting in for saving? Because you've got to teach your kids to save. You have got to do that. If they don't learn through you, they ain't going to. Because all their other friends are just getting it willy-nilly, willy-nilly. Teach them to save. So we did that. And you know what? Through that, I've been really blessed. And I've never had to teach any of my kids from that moment forward. Because they realized that dad wasn't living high on the hog on where our priorities were. Enroll your kids in how you live. Because they'll never know otherwise. Jesus said... One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And if you're unfaithful and cheat with worldly wealth, God will not trust you with the true riches of eternity. Friends, all I can tell you, I can't tell you any better, it's in the test. If I respond correctly, and I'm honest with my money, and with the reputations of other people, that's another thing we can dis, um, depreciate, the reputations of other people. If I don't steal money, I don't steal property, I don't steal time, God says there'll be greater rewards for you in heaven. How does he say that? We're Matthew 25, 21. Well done. You, you, you've shown, you've demonstrated, you can be faithful in small things. I would encourage you, even with your kids, encourage them to serve Jesus in some way. Encourage them to pray some small prayer. You get them to start where they are. Well done. You've shown, you've demonstrated with your life that you can be faithful in small things. I will now trust you with greater ones. Come on and join in your master's happiness. He's delighted that they have shown that they are faithful, not unfaithful. So how can I prepare when I get to the final exam? When, when, with what God says to me, there are three steps to get you started on the road to integrity, to a lifestyle of integrity, not just a one-off. First one, make restitution where possible. Make restitution. Good example of this is Zacchaeus. That's that little short fellow like me, who was so short he had to climb up a tree to see Jesus as he went past in the crowd. He was mounting it up a tree, the sycamore tree. Now Zacchaeus was a, known to be a dishonest tax collector. And the way tax collecting worked in those days is you got a territory, a geographic territory. And you had to collect for the Romans. And they used the Jews to collect um, money off their own. And the deal was, say they needed to get 25% or 30% tax. That's what they'd extract of them. Anything the tax collector collected above that, he got to keep. That's why people hated him. They had to get X percent, but it was X plus the Y. It was the Y that they were really ticked about. So they collected the government revenue and got very rich off the top. Now Jesus comes along and he sees him on the trees. Ah, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today for dinner. Notice there was no invite there, but he's coming. <laughs> now, that 
guy, notice also, for some of you people who worry about a lot of this, notice there was no sinner's prayer right there. But what does Jesus say? Jesus actually got saved. Look at the change. Look at the change. Look at the change. If I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. In Luke 19.9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Many years ago, I had to make a list. God convicted my heart of this. Of things that had taken in my younger years, BC years. For example, the dear old All Saints Church lost a few, a few shekels from the offering back there. He's <laughs> all over sitting on the place. Um, just different. Even after I became a Christian, the Lord convicted me of a particular transaction I had done, which the exchange rate had moved and I gained significantly from that and I did not pass it back on to the person. Very embarrassing. But I wanted to get that right because I knew it was wrong. And this was years and 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 years back. So I looked, I finally found the guy and I gave him, I said, what's that for? I said, well, I... <laughs> it has come to my attention. <laughs> but you know what? It was exactly the right. Was it hard? Was it embarrassing in sense? Yes, but I tell you what, it was the right thing to do. See, when God shows you something, you need to act on it. I wrote the check because I wanted to do what was right. You can use it as a witness-upping opportunity. Because I'm a follower of Christ, I'm sending this letter with a money order. You don't even have to sign it. Make restitution. A clear conscience will bring Increased confidence. Second, give my full tithe. Is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithes into the temple and I will pour out on you in abundance. So where is the temple? It's wherever you worship. If I'm not tithing and I'm paying my bills with stolen money, pretty much most of the time that really means that I've actually overcommitted myself because that money belongs to God. And one day, not to me, but to God. You'll give an account for that. If you're to start tithing and you want to, start today. Start now. What, for example, what would you think if I stood up and said, well, God's convicted me to stop stealing in October at the end of the year. <laughs> no, if I'm going to stop stealing, I need to stop it today. It's real clear. Third, make a living honestly. Ephesians 4.28 Make a living honestly. The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing. You must give it up and do an honest day's work with his own hands. There is something in this that needs to be said. Do you notice that the Ten Commandments say six days thou shalt labor and one rest for worship and recreation? Some days I think we're working three days a week and sort of like muddling through the rest of it. The Bible says the man who used to be a thief must give up stealing and do an honest day's work with his own hands. In other words, act as if you were directly working for God. Because, don't miss this last part. There's a really serious reason for that. No dishonest person will be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 6.9, not in your outline of that thing, but it's up here. 
Or do you not know? In other words, hey, 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 wake up, guys. That's what Paul's saying to the guys. Hey, have you forgotten this? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, have you not forgotten that? And by the way, who are the unrighteous? Do not be deceived. Don't be a sucker. Don't be a fool. Neither, here he goes, there's a list of them here. A real clear list to be specific. Those who won't inherit the kingdom of God are the sexual immoral. That means people who are having sex outside of their marriage between one man and one woman. Nor idolaters. People who put other things before God. If something is before my wife, then she's not number one. If something's before my God, then God's not number one. Idolaters. Nor adulterers. That's also when two people decide these days, let me interpret what that means today. That means when two people, whatever reason, can't sort it out, they don't put some serious intention to fixing stuff, and then just bust up and then just go shack up with somebody else. And get married. The Bible actually talks about you do that, you're going to commit adultery. If you haven't got a legitimate reason for divorce, then you are committing adultery. Nor does it say men who practice homosexuality. That's what the verse in the scriptures say. Where is it? 1 Corinthians 6.9. Don't forget that because someone's going to challenge you on that. 1 Corinthians 6.9 through 10. Nor thieves. There it is. That's why this, is, this verse is serious. Nor thieves. What about the next one? Nor the greedy. The greedy. How much do you need? nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. So there's a list. will inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't want you to be unaware of that. Oh, I didn't know. The scriptures are very clear. They're very fair. This means, by the way, second, so I'll take a deep sigh of relief, that no one in this room stands a chance. Me neither. Unless we get a saviour. Because we've all been dishonest in different ways. And that's why Jesus Christ paid the penalty for me and you. And that's why I come to him and say, there is no way that I can ever make it into heaven, even based on that list there. Because I've been dishonest. Let alone some of those other things, probably. So I ask you to forgive me, and I want to live a life of integrity that's pleasing to you. So today, as we wrap this up, will you, this is a question to you, will you put your trust in him as best as you know how? Will you make restitution, which shows you are serious, where possible, not just blow it off? And will you do an honest day's work to honor God and also with your giving? So this morning I want you to consider making three commitments so let's pray. Would you say in your mind, dear God, I want to be a person of integrity. So starting today, I commit to not steal from other people. 
Holy Spirit, bring to my mind anybody that I need to make restitution to. Second, I commit to not steal from the government, which you've clearly told me in your word not to do that. Help me now act on what your word says and be a doer of your word. And thirdly, would you commit not to steal from God anymore? Father, may New Hope be known to you as a place where people live what they believe and not just talk about it. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.